Well, today we're starting a new series called The Power of a Quiet Life. It's a series where we'll explore how we can overcome the insanity of our mad, fast-paced lives and find a better way, a simpler way, a more fulfilling way in Jesus. The way of a quiet life. Uh, It's a way we'll discover where you can enjoy inner peace, you can enjoy fulfilling work no matter what work you do, healthier relationships, and you can become winsome in how you live. And we're going to start this series this morning by discussing how to live a life that pleases God, a life God calls you to lead, a life that is simply better, is simply better. So let's unpack how to live a life that pleases God by looking at 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 to 12, which I just read. It's a passage that the NIV translation of the Scriptures titles, Living to Please God. That's the title, Living to Please God. So we're in the right chapter today. (laughs) And Paul starts his explanation of what this pleasing life looks like by telling us to stay away from sexual immorality which is a massive issue today. In fact, I think if the Apostle Paul penned this letter today, he would still write this as a priority, where we have sex outside of a marriage relationship, where people sleep around with other people, where people uh, cheat on their partners. I mean, there's websites dedicated to committing adultery. Uh, I think, I can't remember the exact, I think, I can't remember the exact site, it was on the news. There was a site where literally like 700,000 Australians are on this dating website, which is for married people in order for them to cheat. I mean, we live in a society where this is a huge issue. So he calls a life that pleases God, he starts with sexual morality. Then Paul reminds us how important it is to love each other, to love our fellow believers. Again, this is so essential. And then he encourages us to make it our goal to live a quiet life, to mind your own business, to work diligently, and to be a good witness or example to others. In short, in these 12 verses, Paul shows you and I the type of life God wants you to lead. Now, unfortunately, we don't have time to look at all 12 verses today. In fact, this passage alone, we could have three or four sermons from. So I encourage you to go away and read it for yourselves and meditate on it. But today we're going to focus on verses 11 to 12, which addresses the power of a quiet life and the importance of our attitude toward our work and our attitude toward others. And these are all essential aspects of living a life that pleases God. So let's get straight into it, because the life God calls you to lead, a life that pleases God, includes a quiet life, a quiet life. Now, are we talking about little home on the prairie? Is that what we're talking about here? Well, no, let's see what Paul says. Paul says it this way, make it your goal to live a quiet life. Now, when Paul talks about making it your goal to live a quiet life, I don't think he's primarily talking about not speaking here, like, shh, be quiet. Have you ever said that to your kids or people? Shh, be quiet. I don't listen anyways. There's no point saying. But uh, he's not primarily talking about not talking here. Although the scriptures certainly say there is value in listening before speaking. Uh, in James, it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I think we'd all be better off if we did that a lot more, right? <laughs> There'd be a lot happier relationships. <laughs> now, that's important, right? But in 1 Thessalonians 4, living a quiet life seems to be talking about seeking to be inwardly calm and tranquil inside rather than being restless. 
And that can be a big issue for us, can't it? Because in our mad city lifestyle, so often we're stressed out and restless, aren't we? We often feel like we're just surviving, uh, not thriving. And it seems to me that so many of us are our own worst enemies in this, aren't we? We're so busy that we're so stressed out. (laughs) So when Paul says to be calm and tranquil inside, I'm sure many of us long for this inner peace. But how do you gain this inner quietness or this inner peace? How? Well, I can tell you right now, you're not going to find it by looking within yourself. A lot of gurus or self-help people say, you've just got to look inwardly to the God inside you. Well, let me tell you, not God. (laughs) And secondly, you're not going to find peace inside because that's where all our sin and all our muck and all our mess are. You're just going to find turmoil, okay? So don't waste your time. I just saved you hundreds of dollars. Okay. So how do we find inner peace? Well, the only way you and I can find true tranquility is in the Lord Jesus, the true source of peace. After all, Isaiah tells us he is the prince of peace. And in Romans, God is described as the God of peace. But how do we enjoy inner peace in him then? How do we enjoy that inner peace? Well, inner peace is found in God's presence. By spending quality time with Him through prayer and meditation on His Word, by listening to good sermons and godly advice that grows your relationship with God, by running toward God in obedience rather than chasing after the world and sin, which just unsettles your soul. And it's true, isn't it? Uh, When we chase after the world and sin, all this stuff that the world says, this is great for you, do this, which we know is not right, What does it actually cause? It actually causes us to be unsettled in our soul. So it's no wonder when so many people, you know, we see it on on TV, on Who magazine or whatever, all these superstars, but so often you hear about them going into a rehab center or a mental health clinic. The reality is that all that stuff, all the world offers, doesn't make us happy. It doesn't give us peace. The only one who can truly give us peace is the Prince of Peace, which is the Lord himself. So we don't run towards those things. And, and we think about and are connected to God throughout the day. If we do these things, if we make these things a priority, it will dramatically help you to find inner peace. That's certainly biblical, and it's been my experience too, that when I'm spending regular time in God's Word, when I'm coming to Him in prayer, when I'm thinking on Him throughout the day, when I'm relying on Him and walking with Him, that's when I find real peace even when things seem crazy around me. That's why Philippians talks about that he can give us a peace that passes understanding. It doesn't make sense of our circumstance, but somehow he gives us peace. It's found in the Prince of Peace, the Creator of Peace. Of course, there's so much more I could say about how to enjoy inner peace. Uh, From remembering that our eternal home of rest awaits us, that one day we will be in a place of complete peace, to not forgetting that God is sovereign over everything. He's in control of everything, and He works everything for good in your life, even the bad stuff, to make you more like Jesus. But at the heart of the matter, you can only truly enjoy inner peace, inner rest, when you put your faith in Christ. Because when Jesus died for your sins, He gave you peace with God. We were once enemies of God. We'd rejected Him. We went our own way. And when we come to Christ and put our faith in Him, He he takes the punishment on our behalf. So we're no longer under God's just judgment for rejection of Him and going our own way. He gives us peace with God. And then having trusted in Him, He fills us with His Holy Spirit so you can enjoy peace within 
and importantly, be empowered to enjoy peace with others too. See, God gives us His Spirit. God comes and lives within us to enable us to seek peace with others. It's a supernatural thing. So God, by His Spirit and by His grace, gives us peace with Him and peace with others when we walk like He calls us to. So friends, let me make this clear. If you want to enjoy a quiet life of inner peace, then one, put your faith in Christ. Two, seek Him first and then enjoy His presence. Enjoy His presence when He walks with you every day as you walk with Him. That's how you enjoy true inner peace. In Jesus, in God, not in the world, not in stuff, in Him. Jesus puts it this way. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives, because the world's peace doesn't last. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Now that assumes that we will have trouble, doesn't it? It says, don't be afraid. You're going to have trouble. But I will give you peace. Now only God can truly give inner quietness, peace, and rest. And before we move on, uh, as a footnote, let me say this. Most of us need to slow down a little too. All right, I'm speaking to myself here too. We need to cut some stuff out of our lives, enjoy some exercise and a little self-care and take a break. As I said, we're often our own worst enemies. No wonder we're stressed out because we don't even give us, we don't give time for God, we don't even give time for ourselves. We're just so busy. So to enjoy a quiet inner life, Dr. Matt, or should I say Pastor Matt, <laughs> prescribes some self-care and a lot of time with Jesus. Some self-care and a lot of time with Jesus. There's a famous Presbyterian preacher who died very young, and he was a, a great preacher and must have met, led many people to the Lord. And he, he, he worked himself so hard in his early death, he said, I flogged the horse and now it's dead. In other words, sometimes we just do so much and work ourselves so hard we actually kill the means of which we can live by, we can move forward by. All right, so we got it. Moving forward then. This quiet inner life goes a long way in helping us to exercise the next important aspect of a life that pleases God. And that, imp that is the importance of minding your own business. <laughs> minding your own business. You see, if we're going to lead the life that God wants us to lead, it is essential we love others rather than causing them trouble. And this goes hand in hand with pursuing inner peace because those of us who enjoy peace inside are much more likely to promote peace with others rather than causing them trouble. Because if we're peace inside, we promote peace to others, right? You see, God's desire is that we who know Him learn to live at peace within ourselves first and then we radiate that peace to others, bringing calmness and wisdom to tense situations, and in doing so, being lights to the world. And we all love being around people who are really peaceful, don't we? It does bring us an inner calm. And we can be such people if we come to Christ and rely on Him for that inner peace. Now, of course, the opposite is true. People who are busybodies, who meddle in other people's affairs, generally don't enjoy inner peace, and as a result, they cause trouble with others because they haven't got peace. Of course, they cause other people trouble too. <laughs> Their lives are usually a mess and they want to share that around. <laughs> so Paul says, make it your goal to live a quiet inner life, inner peace, minding your own business. 
minding your own business. But why were some of the Thessalonians busybodies? Well, probably because they were idle. And because they were idle, they had too much time on their hands. And those who have too much time on their hands easily fall into gossip and sin. As the saying goes, idle hands are the devil's workshop, or idle hands are the devil's playground. Now, this is so true. And I, I, a classic example of this is during school holidays. Um, I've noticed that nearly every school holiday in the second, if there's a third week, second or third week of holidays, the teenagers generally don't have so much to do, some teenagers. Uh, and, uh, and because they don't have anything to do, they start getting up to trouble. And one of the things I've really noticed is, uh, you know the bus depots, you go past the bus stops, the glass bus stops with the posters in them? Yeah, they're everywhere. Nearly every school holidays in the second or third week, I notice that those posters have been ripped out or, or at least some of those bus depots smashed. Have you noticed that? I notice it all the time, certainly on my drive. Why? Because they've got nothing better to do with their time, so they get up to mischief. <laughs> but that's true of all of us. If we have too much time on our hands over a long, prolonged period of time, we start thinking not right and we start doing not right. We, we might start gossiping. Did you hear about that person? Jan, oh my goodness, have you told Jan? That's terrible, honestly. Has, has Susie heard? Oh, let's get on the phone. <laughs> now, I'm exaggerated, but you, see, you understand what I'm saying, right? The devil loves idle hands and idle time. <laughs> but why were they idle? Well, they may have been influenced by their belief that the second coming of Jesus was near. So they reasoned, why bother working? Jesus is coming back soon. So they neglected their work and had developed a welfare mentality of relying on others to support them. And with all this free time, they became busybodies and troublemakers. As Paul puts it, we hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busybodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. <laughs> it's pretty clear. Paul says to the Thessalonians, stop idling, stop being busybodies, stop sponging, and he says the same thing to us too. <laughs> so if for whatever reason you've become lazy or a busybody, <laughs> if we've developed a welfare mentality and are abusing the privilege of government payouts or handouts, Paul says, stop being a nuisance to others and get back to work. That's clear. But let's stop there for a moment. Because I don't want to sound insensitive to those amongst us who genuinely can't work because of illness or legal complications or responsibilities in caring for others who, are, who may perhaps not well or have other genuine reasons why they're not able to work. You may well desperately want to work but are restricted. So I realise, as I'm sure Paul did and I'm sure God does, that life is not always so simple. Let me clearly say to you that God loves you and he certainly doesn't condemn you in your situation. I know firsthand uh, how my mum had to care for my dad full time when he was in the later stages of motor neurone disease. She couldn't go out and work, but she was diligent in her job to look after my dad. So as we discuss the next way we can please God with our lives, you might surprisingly find hope in what I have to say. Because the next step to living the life God calls you to lead is obviously to work diligently after all we've heard, but there's more than one way to skin a cat. You can be quite creative in your work or how you work, and you can find great fulfillment in doing that. So let's discuss the next aspect of a life that pleases God, namely the importance of working diligently, working diligently. Paul says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, 
minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before, then you will not need to depend on others. Now, in the day this was written, the Greeks in general thought manual labor was degrading and fit only for slaves. Christians, on the other hand, took seriously their need for earning their own living. But as we said, some Thessalonians, perhaps as a result of the belief that Jesus was returning any moment, were neglecting their work, relying on others, and had become idle and busybodies. But Paul, to counter this, uses himself as an example. He says this, We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, because they were workers for the gospel, they had right to be paid for that, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Paul knew the importance of earning your own keep and modeled it throughout his life. He even denied his own rights to be paid as a gospel worker, which he had every right to be paid for. He didn't do that. Instead, he worked so he wouldn't be a burden on anyone, and he set a good Christian work ethic to us all. Paul worked diligently, and so should we. In fact, the importance of working diligently is spread throughout God's Word, especially in Proverbs. The Book of Wisdom says this. So we've had Paul as an example. He says, follow my example, work hard, be diligent. Then listen to this. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Bam. Even ants model a good work ethic to us. So either model your life on an ant or Paul, but either way, work. (laughs) Be diligent. But I think the most important passage that encourages you and I to work diligently is found in Colossians chapter 3, which says both to the paid and unpaid worker this. Now, this is essential. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Listen to this. Whatever you do, whatever work you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now get this. You may be paid or unpaid in your work. You may be limited in what you can do or not. You may have a good boss or may not. In whatever situation, the overarching truth Paul is teaching us here is in whatever you do, you are working for the Lord, not for human masters, not for men. And this is incredibly motivating to work diligently in whatever you do, no matter how menial the task or how bad the boss, because you're serving the Lord, not men. And Christ will receive what you do and reward you for your work. Whether you're a CEO or a garbage collector, whatever you can do, God will reward you for your diligence. And it's the Lord we're serving. And I tell you what, he rewards much better than any other boss could. (laughs) So whether you're a full-time house parent, a retiree, an asylum seeker, a refugee, a carer, disabled or unwell, underpaid, underappreciated, undervalued worker, whatever you are, when it comes to work, God's word plainly tells you, as a servant of Jesus, you will be rewarded in heaven. Because your heavenly master rewards everyone who faithfully serves him. Which can encourage all of us, because even if it's unpaid or a small voluntary role or an online ministry, or maybe all you can do is stick stamps on envelopes for someone, Whatever you do, God sees your faithful, diligent work and will reward you. 
So as Christians, we have no excuse for a welfare mentality. Rather, we should have a work mentality that diligently serves the Lord. Now, before we look at our final point, let me make a specific comment. As we said earlier, if you're limited by your situation, or maybe you're retired, or maybe there's health issues, or whatever it is that limits your ability to work, you can be creative in the work you do. For example, you may be able to volunteer in an after-school program or an animal shelter or a hospital or a nursing home or a sporting club or teaching ESL or teaching scripture. And there's plenty of ways you can serve in our church. That's why we've got the Serve in the House form. There's huge opportunity to serve here and we need your help for us to grow God's kingdom. Or maybe you volunteer with Samaritan's Purse or Gain or other options. And even if you're seriously limited by your mobility or your energy, maybe maybe you are just not able to do much physically, you can work from home according to your own timetable and own hours, helping people around the world from the comfort of your own computer. And I Googled this. this is, I'm going to tell you about this. This is really cool. But let me encourage you to serve Jesus and others this way, not only because God rewards us for our diligent work, but also because making a difference and contributing to something bigger than ourselves is incredibly fulfilling. Is incredibly fulfilling. I know that when I'm on a holiday, I love a good break. We all love a good break. But if I'm not doing something on holiday after, after a few days of rest, I start going a bit stir-crazy. My, my idea of relaxing holiday is doing as much sport and bushwalking and bike riding as I can do. I have to be doing something. Now, we're not all made that way. I get that. <laughs> but I guess the point is that in most of us, there's a kind of an intrinsic desire to, to work and, and find fulfillment in that, isn't there, right? So if you want to know more about how you can serve in the church, then speak to one of us, one of the pastors or leaders. Or if uh, you want to volunteer in another way, there are, speak to your friends about how they're volunteering. And let me say this, a great way also to volunteer is to check out, and we'll put it on the screen there, volunteer.com.au. That's from the same group that do Seek, Seek Jobs. They have thousands of volunteer opportunities on there that they're looking for people to volunteer in. And check this one out, volley.com.au. If you are physically limited, if you are unable to do things because of health or for whatever reason, volley.com.au is super cool. I went to the site, check it out. Basically, they tell you, step one, put in your skill set, what you enjoy doing. Step two, we'll get back to you with volunteer opportunities all around the world that you can do from the comfort of your own home on your computer. And then you can do it in your own hours. So you can say, I don't know, whatever skills you have, you put it in, and then they give you, from the comfort of your own computer, online, you can volunteer for organizations from your house, on your computer, and have a fulfilling life. How cool is that? So, so the point is, the only limit is our imagination. All of us can contribute. Isn't that wonderful? That's blessings about our modern world. And I thought that's cool. I could be helping someone in Brazil from my computer, even if I'm not able to maybe even walk around my own home. How cool is that? So let me say this, don't waste the rest of your life by being self-centered, <laughs> only thinking about yourself. Make the rest of your life the best of your life by serving others, serving Jesus, and making a difference. You can live a fulfilling life. Finally then, to sum up, if we live to please God, the way we do that is we end up being a good witness. We end up being a good witness. Paul says... Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. 
then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. In other words, the result of living a quiet inner life of peace, minding your own business and working diligently is you will win the respect of others and be a great witness to them of Jesus. And more than likely, they'll be interested in what you have because this opens the door for you to share the good news with them because your life is different and it's making a difference. So friends, this life that God calls you to lead is a life that pleases the Lord, a life that is winsome. Do you want to live this life? I think we all do, don't we? Let's pray and ask God.